Good morning, RCC, and happy Resurrection Sunday to you from your homes. I am so excited. Today is the pinnacle day that we celebrate our Lord's resurrection, the triumph from the cross. And even the Bible says that if Jesus did not resurrect from the dead, our faith is in vain. So again, I want to welcome you today to our resurrection service. We have some great things planned for you this morning. And uh, you know what? Today we're going to do something special as a spiritual family. Even though we are separated uh, because of what's going on, we can still be united and connected through technology. So today we're going to start off by having communion together. You and I, your family, and right there at your house, what is doing is not only reminding us of the covenant that Jesus did with humanity and thanking him, but it also declares the victory of the cross in your personal life, in your family, because of communion. We are reminding ourselves of the victory of the cross. So right now, go ahead and take a few moments to go to your refrigerator, your pantry, and basically what we're doing is consecrating these elements, and by faith we're having communion of what it represents to have communion scripturally. So whether it's uh, water, if you have grape juice, that's, that's the best. Uh, if you have uh, uh, the communion elements or a loaf of bread, that will be good as well. If you, if you don't have any of those, go ahead and use water or some other juice and have some bread. But today, we're going to have communion together. Just a couple days ago, we celebrated Passover, where the beautiful story, as you know, in Exodus of the, the children of Israel's mighty deliverance from the mighty, uh, with the mighty hand of God by applying the blood of a lamb into their, on their door, doorpost while they were in their home, and the death plague came in Egypt, and every house that the death plague saw that was covered with the blood of a lamb passed over and did not harm that house. This is so symbolic of what Jesus did on the cross, and we're celebrating this. This is our time to celebrate the resurrected Jesus. So I want you to go ahead and take your communion elements, and I'm going to go ahead and read from, uh, it's going to be on the screen there, from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read from verse 23 all the way until about 26, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, read this with you, and um, we're going to take communion together, declaring the victory of the Lord, the healing of the Lord, the, the salvation of the Lord for you and your household. Amen. The Bible says this in the NLT. It says, Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Watch this now. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I want you to look at me here, and I want you to get your communion elements here because... Paul the Apostle in Corinthians said something incredible. He received a revelation the night of the night that Jesus was about to be betrayed. He, by revelation, received the power 
of that Last Supper moment, right? And where Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood shed for you. And so what we do this, Jesus actually said, do this as often as you do this, you're doing it in remembrance of me. And that last verse there, you proclaim. Look at that. I'm going to read it again. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death and victory over the cross until he comes. So basically, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. It's a public announcement to the enemy every time you take communion. It's a public announcement that he is defeated and you're declaring the victory of the cross in your life until Jesus comes back. Come on, say amen. So with that said, go ahead and right now take the, the communion. I want you to take your bread, the bread, and let's just go before the Lord in prayer. We're going to take the bread first, and then we're going to uh, drink the juice, and we're going to declare the power of the blood of Jesus. So Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. We thank you today that you're seated at the right hand of the Father, Jesus. You are the bread of life, your word says. Father, we take this communion right now. And we say thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for purchasing victory at the cross. Father, we break the bread by faith, Lord God, and we thank you that your broken body was broken so that we will not have to be broken, so that we could have wholeness in our hearts and our bodies. And also your blood is not only for the forgiveness of the sins, Lord God, which we are so grateful for, but your blood is also one that heals. Your word says, by your stripes, we are healed. So Father, we do this to remember Jesus and the sacrifice and the great love that was given to us through your sacrifice. We partake by faith now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, everyone said, Amen. We declare the victory of the Lord over your family, the blood of Jesus on your household, and no plague shall come by your dwelling in Jesus' name. Listen, uh, one of the things that I want to do right now to start my message is going to be different. It's going to be exciting. You're going to hear the power of resurrection in people's lives from our very own RCC people. Other than Scripture, I want you to hear me now, other than Scripture, one of the evidences that Jesus is alive, Resurrection Sunday, one of the evidence that he is alive is through the transformed lives that he has touched, delivered, and set free. I want you to take a look at some of our very own here at RCC that have incredible testimonies at one time being lost, and now they're found, one time being blind, and now they're see, and now they see because of the resurrected Jesus. Take a look. So how do I know that Jesus is alive? Well, let me tell you. Growing up as an as a only child with a single mother who raised me in a single wide trailer and behind a restaurant in a rich community, we had nothing. Drugs were a part of our life and my mom's boyfriend was not a safe place. My dad left when I was born. So the reality is there was a time where my mom came home one night and this uh, boyfriend was so high on drugs that he actually took his gun. He put two bullets in that gun and he said, one bullet is for you and the next is for your son. My mother obviously was terrified. I was in a little cubby of a room. We didn't have many places to run and hide. And so as he was squeezing the trigger and getting ready just to pull, he fainted and passed out on the ground. Well, my mom screamed, immediately called the cops and 
right after that, she told me she's getting off these drugs. She's going to change her life. And there's a lot more to God that I didn't know about. I said, okay. I was a little confused. So either way, she got off these drugs, took her days. She was having a hard time. She brought me to a charismatic church shortly after. Well, that was terrifying to me. People speaking in tongues running around was not normal. Well, she gave her life to Christ. Three or four weeks later, I did the same. After that, we relocated to Staten Island, New York. She became a worship leader in a church. One night, unfortunately, on the way home, uh, she was singing at a very nice restaurant. And I was with her. It was late. A uh, drunk driver hit us and then knocked into three other cars. We were kind of dangling off a raised highway, and uh, it was very scary. Everybody in the accident except my mom and I died. Well, right after that, my mom started seeing a doctor that was treating her for her injuries. And um, shortly after, around Christmas time is now where we're at, and it's 1991, she uh, ends up getting bronchitis. She's not feeling well. Uh, January comes around, she's still not doing good. She, it, it gets worse and worse. So then the doctor prescribes her a medicine. Well, unfortunately, he didn't check his records. That medicine was a derivative of penicillin, and she was allergic. After taking only one pill, she began to have an allergic reaction and her skin began to burn off from the inside out. She was transferred to a burn unit at Cornell Hospital in Manhattan. And then my grandparents, as they were staying with me on Valentine's Day morning, 1992, as I woke up, I asked like I was doing every day, hey, any word on mom last night? And they said, come here. And they told me my mom had passed. Well, I was a mess. We finally got our lives straight. Things are going good. and. This is what happens. So I had to come back in with my grandparents in Florida. They lived in the villages. My aunt, who also, uh, she relocated to a family employee section. I ended up living in a retirement community. So with that being said, I was pretty bitter, pretty angry with God, and I was not having a good time. I was 12 years old at the time. Well, in school, I ended up making some friends, um, but I was doing a lot of things I shouldn't do. I got hooked on pornography. I was um, angry. I was rebellious. I just didn't care. And I met my wife, uh, but she wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't date me. She said no, because I wasn't a Christian. I said, well, how do you know? And I had all the right language. I knew all the right answers, but I didn't really follow Christ. And she knew I was a mess, but she also knew I had potential. And so she was willing to give me you know, some love as a friend. So I went to church with her. I ended up getting things straight. Conviction started hitting my heart. And I started getting delivered from every demonic stronghold. And let me tell you, as you grow through life, later, of course, we became husband and wife. We have four kids. But I'll tell you this. When you root yourself so heavily in things, the enemy knows how to grab hold of you. And he doesn't want to let you go. But let me tell you, through the process of love, the power of God, and transformation, I began to walk things out. And I started learning what discipline was. I started learning what um, giving my life to Christ really meant and denying my flesh holding thoughts captive, getting delivered and set free. Was it a perfect journey? No, but let me tell you, freedom is possible and I've experienced it. So when people ask me, how do you know he's alive? How do you know he's real? Because I've encountered him and I know he is. He speaks with me. He's real, he's alive. So on this Easter Resurrection Sunday, let me tell you something. I know that he's alive. How do I know that Jesus is still alive? I know that Jesus is still alive because he's brought life to areas of my life that I thought had died. 
Growing up, I was in a Christian home. I went to a spirit-filled church and I even attended Christian school. Um, I proclaimed to everybody that Jesus was my best friend and I had zero hesitation in telling absolute strangers that he should be their best friend as well. It actually earned me the title, what would they say, little evangelist for a while. I was fearless, I was bold, I was ready to go. I had my future planned out. I was gonna be a international missionary and I was also gonna be a speaker, telling people everywhere about the love of Jesus and what it could do for them. Nothing was gonna stop me, I was ready to go. And so one day I developed a sickness and the sickness went from being um, inconvenient to being consuming. And so about three years of tests and isolation and pain um, really stole my boldness and my joy and my hope. And I remember getting to a place of stability where I wasn't happy, but I was okay. And the devil specified his attack on me. Um, and he used the mouth of my most trusted specialist, the guy that I trusted and looked up to the most, the guy who knew me the best. And he looked at me and he said, hey, I just want to talk to you about your future, Alyssa. Um, in case you were thinking of moving away from your parents, you just can't do that. You're going to need them to take care of you. And you can't move to a different climate because your body can't handle the changes. And we need you close to your physicians here. Um, and lastly, when you're looking at careers, don't, don't go for something that requires you to be standing for long periods of time because it could trigger your condition. And while to him, this was just medical advice based on science, to me, it was a death of my dreams because that meant no missions, no traveling, that meant no speaking on stages. So at this point, I was broken beyond beyond belief. And so I would say that um, sadness and disappointment just kind of became my prominent traits at this point. So I tried to continue with life as normal as much as I could, not letting people around me know how I was feeling or what was going on in my life. Um, but because of that, everything in my life was very superficial and calculated. So my walls were super high and my hope was really low. And I didn't feel qualified for the dreams that I always had and I didn't have any other dreams. So I was just living day to day and I felt stuck. Until one day I heard a speaker and she really caught my attention because she had a way of speaking that was different. Um, she spoke about her brokenness without magnifying it and she also spoke about how the dreams of her life that she thought had died, God actually rerouted and made into something better than she could have ever imagined. And I remember being done listening to her and thinking to myself, maybe perfection isn't what produces a platform, maybe perspective is. And that brought me joy because I thought perspective is only ever gained through trials and adversity. And I knew that my life was full of both. So for the first time I felt just a little bit of hope and I thought, all right, God, I'm gonna give you this much room. Like, I'm, I'm still mad, I'm still upset, but I'm gonna give you this much room. And so I didn't do it because of my school, because of my parents, because of my church. I did it for me out of a place of pure desperation because I knew I couldn't go day to day anymore. I needed hope and I needed dreams for my future. So slowly God began to peel back the layers of the things that had been piled over me, muting me and keeping me quiet. Um, and it was painful and it took a lot of time, but eventually he really did um, bring me to a place that I started to feel emotion again and I had personality again and I even started dreaming about my future. And I remember in that time, the world was very open about inviting me to come and explore and find an experience that would define myself and give me meaning. But what I found was that um, I didn't have to go into the world to find an experience that gave me meaning and defined my life. Um, the experience of Jesus came and met me and gave me meaning in the exact chairs I had always sat in, except this time my heart was different. This time I went into it recognizing the reality that I needed a Jesus that could heal more than I wanted to deal with the pain of being broken. It was stronger. Um, so. A lot of time passed. I did a lot of hard work. God met me and really 
broke a lot of things off. But eventually I was able to move cross country, independent of my family, um, to a much different climate. Um, I speak on stage regularly now and I've even been able to go on an international, first of many international missions trips. Um, but he's really brought healing to my life. So he turned the things that tried to muzzle me and keep my voice in and he traded them in for a microphone, giving me the freedom to speak from that place. So because God was able to use my brokenness to build me, that's how I know that Jesus is still alive. So how do I know that Christ is alive? Man, I could tell you this theological thing and I don't think it really would work. Um, I was raised in the church uh, literally from birth pastors all over my family worship leaders everywhere actually my whole generation my age group of my family were all musicians that could be an answer but I was sheltered most of my you know, actually all my young life and that made me very curious curiosity killed the cat right well that killed me um, by the time I was 13, I was already having sex, I was selling drugs. I was selling drugs to get money, to buy more drugs, so that I could continue having sex because I knew it was wrong. So I was medicating. So it became this triangle. Sex, ooh, drugs to medicate. How do I get these drugs? Let me sell them. Oh, I have more money. Yada, yada, yada. That happened and continued from 13 until about I was 22. When I was 22, I was about to get you know married. I was engaged to this really beautiful girl. And uh, I lied to her. Um, and she found out that I was still selling drugs. I mean, she had everything. So I thought she would have found quicker than, than, I, than what she did. But it took about two years of being together. Whatever, that actually brought me to jail. I was in my car. I one day was coming home from the strip clubs. Um, this is the story how I got to jail. And I didn't want to go home. I felt conviction somehow. I believe it was the prayers of my family. Um, my mom every day praying for me, knowing all my mess. Um, but yeah, so I didn't go home. I decided to park my car in the front of my neighborhood trusting the neighborhood and I woke up to a gun tapping my window I wake up all I see is lights I look up I see the cop get out of your car you know well you probably might not um, so I get arrested that day um, I find out that I'm facing five to ten years I guess they knew a lot more about me than I thought they knew and um, yeah I'm in jail and I meet this correction officer and uh, he just talks to me as if he knew everything about me. Um, tells me literally everything about my life, reads my mail. Um, I go to look for him the next day. They tell me he never was there, never even worked there. They didn't know his name. I get out of jail, luckily. Um, I, go to, I go to court. And by the grace of God, somehow, I ended up only facing a year of probation with um, a rehab that I had to do for about a year and a half. Um, I ended up somehow at OHOP, around the house of prayer, 
and I was able to grab my instruments because I was, again, musician all my life. And I realized why. Um, night and day being there, over 17 hours of just being before God. Um, and until now, until now this day, um, I know that every day He's there with me. I know that that all, all of this that I've been able to do and have since that day um, it's because he is alive so yeah that's why I know he's alive because I'm still here every morning how do I know Jesus is alive life wasn't always easy for me I went through a lot of pain in my life to walk into my full purpose with God abuse started for me in my home since early childhood early days I became a juvenile and finally left my home at the age of 16 into a darker path that led me into the world of selling drugs, becoming a Latin King member, running a fast-paced street life, watching people get shot and killed, having a gun put to my head, and always having to watch my back, then being incarcerated to the system and rejected by family. Anger controlled the most darkest moments in my life. I could no longer see my children. I lost both of my parents and alcohol and marijuana consumed my life until an almost fatal car accident nearly took my life, the life of my wife and two beautiful daughters. It was a miracle that we all walked away with minor injuries. I remember like yesterday, the rage and anger that came over me when I laid in my triage bed, plotting to kill the man who almost killed my family. It was right then, at that very moment, that the Lord intervened in my thoughts. I heard his voice say, everything you ever call luck was never luck. When my vision became blurry and white, I could no longer see the hospital room I was in. In that white blur, a vision flashed before my eyes. The Lord showed me a young child getting ran over by a car. <clears throat> a young child lighting his parents' trash can on fire. A young boy running in a factory over large metal pl plants laying on the ground, missing his jump, and rescued by a man who grabbed him and took the fall for him of two-story homes high. To high-speed chases and shootouts, it was right there that I realized that young boy, that young man in that white blur was me. Then I heard God's voice again tell me, everything I ever called luck was never luck. It was me that carried you the whole time. I immediately gave my life to the one who gave his life for me. That's how I know Jesus is alive. Amen and amen. Wow, what powerful testimonies you just saw that proves that Jesus is alive and well. Can someone say amen? 
You just saw incredible stories from some of our very own here at Remnant Christian Center whose testimonies are different, but the common denominator is the same, which is this. The resurrected living Jesus is the one who encountered them. It doesn't matter if some were just hardcore with drugs or sexual promiscuity, or as you saw with Alyssa, that she grew up in the church, yet you could grow up in the church and still be lost. You could grow up being just a good person, but the Bible says, unless we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, none of our good works matter. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah said, our righteousness is like filthy rags in comparison to our need for Jesus to wash us clean. I want to pause and say, if we could get to heaven by our good, own good works, the Father being all-knowing would not have sent His Son to be brutally murdered and, and tortured at the cross if we had the capability of getting into heaven by our good works. The fact is, none of us can. And what you just saw are lives that were transformed by not a dead God, not a fake God, but a living God. Oh, I am so glad that we serve not only a loving Father, a loving Lord, a merciful, gracious Lord, but we serve a living God. If our Lord was not living, He could not change the, the lives that, that were changed. If we were serving some dead God, there would be no power to change people's lives, as you saw in those testimonies. How do I know Jesus lives? Because he transformed our life. As I said before, one of the greatest um, examples that Jesus is alive, other than scripture, is by viewing lives that have been transformed by his power. Isn't it beautiful to know here in this Resurrection Sunday that we can be changed by a living God? We can actually encounter a living God. You know, today, for the rest of the time that we have remaining, I want to talk about someone in the scripture that had two sides of the story like you saw today with many of our RCC people giving their testimonies. Everyone has two sides of the story when they get saved, right? You once was lost, now you're found. You once were blind, but now you see. You once were bound, but now you are free. Uh, I say this because um, the story of the resurrection is known throughout the ages. Every year we celebrate the risen Savior. But today I also want to piggyback on the testimonies you saw and highlight a person in the Bible that is famous for being at the resurrection uh, story every year uh, in the empty tomb. Uh, they're one of the first people that, that, that was told that Jesus is risen and is alive. And I'm, I'm talking about no other than Mary Magdalene. Many of you guys heard of Mary Magdalene, but I want to just share just a few scriptures in the few remaining moments I have with you today to let you know that Jesus is in the business of transforming lives. He's famous for taking nobodies and, and people, rejects and people that are bound with severe darkness and instantly changing them by his power. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. I want to just share with you in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 7 in the New King James Version. I want you to see it there with me on, the, on, your, on your Bible or on your app. I want you to look at the first of the famous story 
right, of Mary Magdalene with the other Mary going to the tomb. We all know this, but I want you to follow with me because hear me, zoom in on me now. It wasn't always the case for Mary Magdalene. When we read Mary Magdalene, we see the, the resurrection story. We see the, the one who loves Jesus. We see the one who was one of the first at the tombs and had this extravagant love for Jesus. We also know Mary of Bethany had, had the same thing, right? Uh, now, Mary Magdalene wasn't always so close to Jesus. Mary Magdalene wasn't always, always the... Uh, the story of the resurrection. She actually had a very dark past. But before we see that, I want you to see the actual story of the resurrection story. Here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 7, it says something so beautiful. Follow along with me. Get your Bible and read with me. It says, Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the other Mary is just some uh, historians say the, 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 the mother of James and some others. But anyways, it says Mary Magdalene the other Ma and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now you see these, these women, I'm going to shout out to the women out there, were so hungry for the Lord. They were so in love with the Lord because of what the Lord did. Remember the Bible says to much love much is the one who's forgiven much. Well, these two women, they were running to the tomb when they, when they realized if it was true, if Jesus was going to resurrect, they wanted to see. And the Bible continues, and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Watch this, guys, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. The angel already knew. He is not here, he is risen. Hallelujah. As he said this, and he said this, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Now, this is the story that most of us are, are, um, are familiar with when it comes to Mary Magdalene. Uh, most of us are familiar with the Mary Magdalene that runs to the tomb and shows the extravagant love. But always remember, we all have a story before Christ. I'm here to tell you that no one was just born going to be with no need for Christ. We will all eventually have a need for Christ. There is a vacuum in your heart, a vacuum, a hole, if you will, inside of every person's life that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. And that's why... When they don't know that it could only be filled by Jesus, they try to fill it with other things like alcohol, like sex, before, before marriage, fornication, with cheating, with all these kinds of things, gambling, overspending. They're trying uh, to, to drown their pain away by drinking, but they don't realize that the hole that is there is supposed to be filled by Jesus. Now, I say this because Mary Magdalene was the person that ran to the tomb, <coughs> and, and she was told the news. The first, listen, 
One of the first people by the angel to say, Jesus is not here, he's alive. But Mary wasn't always that way. In Luke chapter 8, and I want you to see this, okay? Mary had a very dark past. She had a, a, a past full of, full of uh, demonic possession and torture from these demons that she had, the Bible says, tormenting her and living in her. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 2, in the NLT, real quick, just to give you some reference, Luke chapter 8, 1 through 2, it said, Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns of the villages, pre preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with the women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were, watch this, Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now think about this, guys. Mary Magdalene, uh, according to Luke chapter 8, was a woman that had seven demons. Very specific, the Bible says. And Jesus cast them out at one point of his ministry, dealt with the, the torment, because the truth is that those demonic forces, whether you believe in them or not, it's in the Bible and it's real. Those demonic forces were, were causing Mary to live a very dark life. A very dark life full of bondage. And who knows what else was happening. She was uh, known as a, before, as a, a street woman. Okay? She had the reputation uh, not of a holy one that we see uh, at, at the end of, of the story here. But they also had a pre-story. Aren't you glad that God doesn't leave us in the pre-story? If we call out to Jesus, He can change us, save us. And we can be used by God in a mighty way. Well, this Mary Magdalene, she had demonic powers. And those demons made her do some terrible things. And, and Satan was uh, working hard over time to destroy her emotionally. Mary was a hopeless case. She was a hopeless wreck. She had a hopeless situation. But Jesus, the risen Savior, came in one day while he was still on the earth, totally transformed her life. Then you fast forward and you see that she is one of the first to know from the angel that Jesus is alive and well. Why do I say this? Because today in Resurrection Sunday, I believe it's an invitation from the Father to you to experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in your life. I'm not talking about just a historical figure. I'm not talking about someone that you kind of read about or know about. Yeah, he, he, he was the one who died for our sins. I'm talking about, do you know Jesus personally? Have you experienced that life-giving, resurrected power? I remember when Jesus was uh, also in another place where uh, Mary and Martha were, the, were mourning the death of their brother, uh, Lazarus, and Lazarus actually had died. And there, Lazarus was clo close to Jesus. And I remember in the story in John where they said to him, Lord, if you would have came earlier, my brother wouldn't have died. But there's, it's too late now. It's too late. He stinks. 
Right? There's a, there's a stench because he's been dead for four days. I love what Jesus said. He just didn't say, I have power. He said, didn't I tell you, if you would believe, you would see the very glory of God. Do you just believe? And then he says, don't worry, for I am the resurrection and the life. He's just, he just didn't raise from the dead, everyone. He is resurrection. Come on, somebody. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. The Bible says no man comes to the Father except through Jesus. One encounter with the living God, with the living God, Jesus Christ, totally transformed Mary Magdalene and she followed him the rest of her life. I could go on and on and tell you people in Scripture Paul was one of them. He was a murderer, and he was uh, Saul, and he was on his way to kill Christians, and he got, listen, 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 listen. He had an encounter. This is after Jesus was resurrected. Saul was on his way on the road of Damascus to possibly kill other Christians, okay? And he got encountered by the resurrected Jesus. We're talking about resurrection son today. Today, Jesus, already resurrected, came down in a vision, and the Bible says a great light shone and knocked him backwards. From that day forward, he got an encounter with the resurrected Christ, who he was persecuting before and even after, saying, oh, this resurrection is nonsense. How can you say Jesus rose from the dead? And he would be mocking the Christians, Right? But yet one day, glory to God, without the benefit of a podcast, come on, without the benefit of a preacher, without the benefit of a teacher, by himself, with a crew of people, no preacher to guide him or to convict him, Jesus himself, already resurrected at this point, seating at the right hand of the Father, radically encountered this sinner, this, this Pharisee of Pharisees, who knew the law and totally encountered him and changed him. Why do I say this? Because the, at the crux of the resurrection message is this, that he is still alive and well to transform lives today and to forgive us of our sins. Oh, hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? This is what the resurrection is about. The cross of Jesus is a great exchange. The cross of Jesus where he eventually conquered the cross, died on the cross, and rose again, is a great exchange. Wonderful exchange. He exchanges our bad with his good, with his holiness. Our sin with his holiness. You go from darkness to light and discover the power of God in your life. You go from weakness to power at the exchange of the cross. You lay your weakness down, you surrender to the Lord, and he gives you power. You go from shame and guilt to, listen, forgiveness and acceptance because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, and because he resurrected from the cross. Please make no doubt about it. What Jesus did on the cross is important, but all that would be in vain if he did not rise from the dead. If he would have stayed dead, then it would just have been a really good act. But guess what? The work of the cross was solidified by his resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to say that again. The work of the cross was solidified by the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And I'll say this because I want to come to a close because today 
is the greatest day for you to experience the life of Jesus. Some people may say, you know, um, yeah, that's good. I'll get there. Or, um, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know about this. But let me tell you something. It was very costly for Jesus to purchase salvation for us, right? Because it cost him something. I could imagine Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where the Bible says that he was, he was so, he was so filled with this pressure and this intense pressure that he was about to go to the cross and be separated from the Father because he was going to take on our sins, that the Bible says big drops of blood was coming down his, his uh, forehead. Right? So it's like the sweat glands were mixed with, the, with the, the, the blood glands and big drops of blood. He was sweating blood, not sweating just real sweat. And he said this, Lord, if it's possible, Take this cup away from me. In other words, in 2020 uh, language, Lord, is there, is there any other way for humanity to get to heaven without me going to the cross and be separated temporarily and becoming sin? And I can imagine the Father saying, Jesus, you know that there's no other way. You know that sin won't be allowed into heaven. Someone's got to pay that price. And you know what? Jesus said, okay, I'll pay that price. My friends, the reason why you and I can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved is because there was a heavy price to be paid with his life. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In Isaiah 53, the chastisement, meaning the, the correction, the whipping, the, 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 the uh, scourging, the, the penalty of our sin was on, was on him. The chastisement of our peace was all on him. And so I, I want to encourage you today that the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You, you, you have to understand that there is no shortcut when it comes to salvation. And again, I've heard people say, well, I'm a good, I'm a good person. Um, I've, I've done good. I never hurt anybody. And that may very well be true. But my point is this. You and I still need a Savior. Because Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He didn't say some. He said all. Jesus is alive today. My friends, don't delay any longer. Would you put Jesus as your Lord? Would you look to Him as these people that you saw in the video had real stories? Not fake ones. They didn't make it up. Real stories of them being bound, being lost. And they gave their life to Jesus. They surrendered to him. Would you surrender to him today? Would you think about this for a, for a second? And, and before we log off here, and think about your life today. Where is it? Is it filled with bondage? Is it today filled with hurt and darkness? Have you tried everything to get out of that habit? Have you tried everything you can to break that, that cycle of addiction in your life? and have not been able to do it, it's because there is a missing element, element, and that is the resurrected person of Jesus. I love the fact that he is alive. Because he lives, I could face tomorrow. Because he lives, then I know that my life will be secure. There's this old hymn that I love. I'm not going to sing it, but this old hymn called um, I Serve a Risen Savior. Many of you that have been to church in a while, you remember this. And one of my favorite courses uh, in the course, it says, He lives, 
He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. Watch this. You ask me how, I know He lives. He lives within my heart. What a beautiful hymn. He lives within my heart. When someone says, how do you know He lives? It's because I was blind. And now I see. He lives in my heart. Nobody could tell me that I could turn around and have the desire, have totally different desires than what I had before Jesus came, all because I just woke up one day and decided to do it. Listen, Jesus changed my entire desires from lust and anger and all whatever it was to peace and beauty and love and righteousness. I want you to right now close your eyes with me at your home. And if you don't want to, that's fine. I want to extend a time that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity right now to not only trust him, but to invite him in your life. I tell you, my friends, that's the best decisions you will ever, ever make in your life. Now, some people know church and they play church. I'm also talking to you too. There's some people out there that you grew up in the church and you think you're saved. And you, you, or you play church, or just because you go to a couple of church services, yet you have no relationship with God, and you're continuing to, to have a sinful lifestyle, that's not being saved, my friends. Being saved is inviting Jesus in your life, doing this, surrendering to Him as Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins, repenting of your sins, not to a man, but to Jesus, right? And then allowing Him, the Holy Spirit, to come and change your life. My friends... Not only will you have forgiveness of sins, but you will have everlasting life. I want to take a moment right now. If you're watching me online and you're watching me maybe a little later and you say, you know what, this message, I want to be part of those lives that have peace in their life, that have a transformed life. I want you to take a moment right now and say this prayer for me, with me. It's not a magical prayer. It's not anything of fancy, but it's from the heart because the Bible says if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. There's a song that I used to hear years ago by John Gibson that says, it says, it's the same old story, you've heard it before, but this time it's coming knocking at your door. You can't live without Jesus anymore. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for those who are watching, that you're convicting them, you're touching them, that they would give up their fight to try to resist you. And I pray, Lord God, that you would encounter them in the name of Jesus, right now in their homes. Encounter them, come upon them. Show them your salvation in Jesus' name. If you really want to give your life to the Lord, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, right now, I confess I'm a sinner. Right now, I'm asking you to come into my life. I recognize that you are Lord. And I'm asking you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. I turn my ways from the world and I surrender to you. Forgive me. Accept me. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so excited, my friends. This is a new life and a new journey for you. If you've prayed that prayer, there's a couple of things that I want you to do right now, okay? Before we close this service. If you pray that prayer, there's going to be a link 
in one of the comment sections there for you to go in and click on and it will take you to our website where you will fill out a form but it will also tell you some steps of what you need to do after you give your life to the Lord. We've made it very simple for you. And then we're going to follow up with you so that we can give you some information on some of our foundation classes that we have when we could all meet together. That's one way to click on that link. The other way is if you really just gave your life to the Lord just right now by praying this prayer and you really feel that um, the Lord really did come in, into your life, you could also go into our website, www.remnantchristiancenter.com. And there's, in that page, you could click on that form there or that link. You'll see it there. It says, uh, have you been saved? Or it'll say something to that degree. Now that you are saved, you click on that, and it'll take you into that form so that you can fill it out and then send it. And we want to uh, get back with you and hear from you. Guys, God bless you. Have a wonderful time today. We know that this, this um, holiday is not about eggs or bunnies, although, although I know some people are going to do that. And that's fine. We're not knocking that. But this holiday is about a resurrected Jesus. I want you to go ahead, and if this message has blessed you, I want you to really consider, uh, before you log off, this uh, next little video that you're going to see, because we want you to be faithful in your giving. Jesus, the Father, did not spare giving His Son, right? Let's not spare in this time to give our tithe and offerings. That's how we can make the, the work of the Lord continue by your tithe and offerings, by your generous giving. And if you are someone here that are watching and, and maybe are not in our church, but this ministry has blessed you, pray about and consider sowing a seed so that the work of the Lord could continue to function. Right now, even during this lockdown, Remnant Christian Center is being a light. Every Monday from 10 to 11, we're giving out some food to those who are hungry. Hundreds of people that are in severe critical need, we are handing out boxes of food for them. This is where... The, these, these initiatives are coming, and we want to continue to do the work of the Lord. May God bless you today. Have a great day. Thank you for watching Remnant Christian Center's Sunday morning service. We want to let you know that we are here for you, we are praying for you, and we have not left. We are still a community. With that being said, through your tithe and your offering, we are able to help those in our community and in our church family that are in need through this crisis. If you would like to give, you can go on remnantchristiancenter.com and go ahead and click on the giving link. Or you can text REMNANTCC to 77977. You can also mail a check to P.O. Box 2225, Apopka, Florida 32704. Or you can also mail us at 170 South Washington Avenue, Apopka, Florida 32704. We love you guys. We cannot wait to see you again in person and join with you. Until then, God bless you.